Good morning. Good to see you this morning. Great job, Alicia. Whoop, whoop. Come on. Right? It's good to have a whoop, whoop. Or is it whoop or whoop? Either way, whoop, whoop in church. If you can't say whoop, whoop in church, then, you know, maybe by the end of the service you can. Um, I'm not saying it's a good thing. It's just whoop, whoop. It is good. I tell you, what's not good... I'm over it, people. <laughs> My uh, beautiful bride is not with me today, and so she's with her mom in Arizona this morning, and we were on the FaceTime thing with her, and it was early in the morning, and we would, had already gotten out, and we were starting our day yesterday, and we, she just you know, wanted to make sure we were awake at like 9.30, and I'm thinking, what, what's going on? And she's like, oh, we're just, you know, I just slept in and got my coffee. And my, I'm like, oh, must be nice. Must be nice as we're dodging golf ball-sized hail out here in Washington. God bless America. Well, good morning. Um, so excited just to, to share and just uh, to be a part of what God's doing. I hope you're enjoying just what God's doing um, I am, and that, that's, that's all that matters, right? Um, I was thinking about it. How many of you have ever been, um, I, guess, I guess we've all been to some degrees on vacation. How many of you could be ready for a vacation? Anyone? Right, all right, yeah. You know, that sounds, Arizona sounds real good right about now. Um, I was thinking about it, and I was thinking about packing. You know, that is probably the worst part other than coming home of a vacation, is packing for said vacation. How many of you just loathe packing for vacation? No one? Really. I've noticed there's two types of packers in this world. You either are one type or you're married to the other type. Okay, I'm just going to say that and we'll leave it at that. When we were um, younger, when our kids were a lot younger, our main vacation was camping. And I was running across photos of our past camping trips. You know how they say, what's that phrase? You brought everything but the kitchen sink? We brought like two kitchen sinks just in case one had a leak or something. I mean, I was, I'm shocked how much stuff we would bring camping. But I was thinking about... Um, packing, as my wife was packing, you've got two types of packers. You've got the first type that they've got an Excel spreadsheet list of everything ready to go. In fact, their suitcase is packed a week in advance that they have to go to the store during that week to get another toothbrush because they've already packed uh, their, their first toothbrush, right? They're the type that has everything laid out, that have the little vacuum sealed bags where everything's rolled and you can get everything in there. How many of those packers do we have this morning? Anyone? We got, okay, you know, your spouse is lucky. That's all I'm going to say, right? That is awesome. God bless you. But then there's the second type. <laughs> and I'm not going to make fun because, I, no, I can't, because I have to live as a happily married husband. Um, but you've got the other type where it's like, you've got to be out the door and we're still doing laundry. And it's like, well, what are you bringing? And you don't have a suitcase. You have a suitcase. You've got two handbags, everything's coming out of the bag, and, you know, you're just kind of just all over the place. Any of those types? 
Spouses, okay, thank you. Thank you for your honesty, husband of said spouse. Um, my wife and I, when we uh, were, would go on these trips, we would realize after about the third or fourth time, like, why do we do this? Because all we do is we sit in our one swimsuit the whole week, and we just need a sweatshirt for nighttime around the fire, right? And so it's like, why do we do that? And uh, because we're just going to live in our, our swimsuits. Um, and so we've adjusted, you know, that, that kind of stuff. And I was, I was thinking about where we're at going on a journey as a church. Um, and so today we are going to start the packing process as a church to really talk about, um, we're not just going to throw a few things together um, and be like, hey, we're going to call it good, but we're going to take some time to make sure that we're packing the things that God wants us to add to our life and to bring with us on this journey that we're calling a true community. Okay, if you weren't here last week, we did our vision uh, Sunday. We talked about true community. Uh, we're going on a journey, right? We're going to take some time to make sure that we cross our T's, that we dot our I's, that we really dive into this topic of true community because I believe that it's an important topic that we are being asked by God to understand because it's vital to our success as Christians and it's vital to our success um, as a church. And so we're not just going to throw a few swimsuits in the bag and say, hopefully I got some that fits. No, we're going to take some time um, over the next uh, several months to talk about this. Um, true community is more than getting some small groups together as a church so we can say, we, hey, we have small groups. Okay, that is a part of it. That is a pretty important part of it. But it is more than a push to get you to sign up to, to and that's, sign up, please. But it's more than, than a push to get you to sign up to be a part of group. Um, true community is more than a push to get you to come to church more consistently. Okay, do I want you to come to church every single Sunday? Yeah, Come. But community is more than attending church on a Sunday morning. Okay, true community, I believe, is a strategy that God wants to give you that is going to make your Christian walk more fulfilling in your life and through your life. True community. True community is this. It's a lot of things, and I'm just going to highlight a few. But true community is viewing God's unshakable kingdom that you are a part of and that I'm a part of. How many of you know the Bible says that we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken? Okay, do you understand that this morning? That means that that's a pretty good thing in the world that we live in where everything that can be shaken is shaking. But you're a part of that. Okay, we want to understand what that means. True community has to do with how we view and how we treat people. It has everything to do when you look at someone, when you looked at me this morning and thought, huh, okay, your, <laughs> your view, I know you did, no. your, your view of how you go through your life, how you treat people, that is true community. True community has everything to do with how you value the relationships that are in your life or the relationships that are not in your life. True community has everything to do with how you view pre-believers or the lost that don't know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. True community. True community has everything to do with how we view each other. 
True community has everything to do with how we do church on a regular basis every Sunday morning. True community is the understanding of the importance of the role that we all play in the lives of our other Christian brothers and sisters that sit next to us every single Sunday morning. True community has everything to do with the role of the importance of that. And I believe true community should be the mindset of every follower of Jesus Christ. I believe this about true community. That as we walk in true community, we will experience... How many of you want to experience God? Huh? I want to experience God every Sunday morning. But I don't want to ex just experience God. I want to have a sustained experience in a true revival that goes from generation to generation that brings life to the dead, hope to the hopeless, and health to the weak, or health to the sick. Amen? How many of you want to be a part of that in your life? Okay, that is true community. Listen, we're not talking about just feeling goosebumps. We're talking about sustaining a culture that can go from generation to generation. That's a big deal. There's a scripture in Proverbs 14. You can turn in your Bibles. I have it on the screens. It says this. It says, there is a way which seems right to a man or woman and appears straight before him. But in its end is the way of death. Okay, how many of you know there's probably a lot of ways that you could do something in life? Right, there's a lot of ways. Even when we're talking about relationships, I know there's been a lot of dis, uh, disappointment around this area. Right, if I were to take a poll of how many people have been hurt by someone else, all our hands would be, you know, hands and feet would be in the air and toes. All six of them if you got it, Okay. They're, they're, every single one of us has been hurt by relationships. I look at this scripture and I was thinking about in a relational way that I've got into relationships with people and it didn't go the way that I thought it was going to go. Anyone been there before? Okay, where you say, man, I, I wish I would have known that before I got into this relationship. Right, there's, there's a lot of um, disappointment. There's a lot of hurt. I can't tell you being out, especially with my kids in the sports world and in the community, how many people, when they find out I'm a pastor, say, well, I used to go to a church until I had a run-in with someone. Do you know how common that is? And they say, and I, so I don't, I don't go anymore. And I want to tell you, if that's you this morning, if you're here and you're like, this is my first time in church in a long time, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here to discover with us what true community looks like at the context of a local church. Amen. There's this country song. <laughs> it is the worst song, but it says, and you know, it's the story of my life. It's called The Best of Intentions, right? Man, people have good intentions. I honestly believe that. People mean well most of the time. Right? The church has done a lot of things for the kingdom of God, and, and usually we mean pretty well. Right? But I believe that God wants to teach us what it means to not just have the best of intentions, but have the right strategy to do what God's called us to do. I was praying this week and, and, uh, about true community, and I, and I got this from the Lord. He said, 
I believe that God's blessing will be attached to God's process. How many of you believe that for your life? Okay, God's blessing will be attached to the way that he tells you to live and the way he tells you to walk. Uh, we're at an interesting season with our, our kids. We're always at an interesting season. That's called being a parent, right? If you're not in a hard season, guess what? You probably will be. And if you're, you're just getting over a hard season, well, you better you know, smile quickly because a new season's coming. Um, but we're in a great season with our kids. And it's, it's amazing how... No, two things. Number one, I'm hearing my parents when I open my mouth, what they said to me, and that's a good thing. Uh, but number two, the importance, especially with our 12-year-old, of teaching him about friendship. And it's funny because I found myself the last few weeks, you know, saying things to him like, hey, be careful who you choose your friends, you know, be careful who you let into your life. Because, you know, there's a scripture, you know, bad company, bad company corrupts. So don't, you know, don't be corrupt. You know, and, and, every, and every time I talk to him about a friend, I'm like, hey, how's that guy? Is he, is he all right? Well, why do I do that? Well, well number one, because I, I care about my kids as friends. I want my kid to, you know, walk the straight and narrow and, and, uh, and serve God with his life. But I found myself with him always teaching the negative side of relationships. And not teaching him the blessing that comes from having a true friend in your life. Right? A lot of times I'm like, hey man, be careful, bro. Bad company. It'll corrupt. Be careful who you let in. But I think it's important that we understand the design of relationship that God has instructed his people to walk in. Because there is incredible blessing and there's uh, incredible incredible benefits that come as we understand what it truly means to do community together. Because I believe the blessing of having those friends in my son's corner as he grows will be life-changing for him for the rest of his life. Okay, there's a scripture in Proverbs 13. It says, if you want to grow in wisdom, then spend time with the wise. Amen? Listen, you want to be wise and start spending time with those who are wise. It goes on and it says, you walk with the wicked and eventually you'll become just like them. And so it's important in our Christian walk, in our relationship with Jesus, that we are building relationships this way that are bringing you to the place of discipleship in your life, that are bringing you sharper, as the Bible says, that are adding to your life and not subtracting or dividing your life. Okay? It is important that the relationships that you surround yourself with are adding to your life. You know, so I read this scripture about growing in wisdom, and, and I think there's two ways that we can interpret this. Number one, there may be some of you in this room that would just say, hey, if I'm being honest, I'm not very wise. Okay, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, because, you know, but, 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 you know, where you say, man, I, I'm a parent. I don't know how to parent. I just got married, and I'm a pretty bad husband, um, and so I need some wisdom in my life. Okay, I believe that is one aspect, where there is people that God wants to bring around you that are going to give wisdom to you. But here's the second part of this scripture. I believe in this room, and I believe in those who have walked with Jesus, that there is wisdom in this place. I believe that there's people here, when you read this, you are the wise. 
You are the ones who others need to be hanging out with because there's life experience and there's revelation that you've lived. And there's a generation and there's people that need it. Amen? I love the FAQs. When you go onto a website, just, just tell me what I need to know, right? Give me the facts. Fact. Community is defined as a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attitudes, interests, and goals. Listen, this whole relationship thing, this was not invented by the world. This was not invented by those who like to party The relationship thing was invented by God himself with how he wanted to interact with the the creations that he created, okay? This whole relationship thing is God's idea. And so I believe the church needs to be the ones to show the world how to do it in a right, godly, and honoring way, amen? Right, we shouldn't be taking cues from the world. Okay, fact number two. The definition of community is a group living together in a place, especially one practicing common ownership. Okay, I love that word ownership, right? Because there's a pride in ownership, right? Hopefully, there's a pride in ownership that we have. Okay, ownership says this, I can't get to the place that God has for me without others, And ownership also says this, that there is a role that God wants me to play in the life and in the development of others. This is why I believe in the local church over a weekly podcast that I can get in my computer at home. Right? You can get some good teaching. You can get some good preaching. But you can't get some of the things that are going to sustain you And that's called community. Okay, that's why I'm a local church guy. That's why I believe it has to get outside of the walls. It has to go beyond Sunday. Fact number two. People often ask me, you know, what's the best decision you've ever made? Okay, number one. And it's not just because I'm a pastor, but it's my relationship with Jesus Christ. Number two, my wife's not even here. She probably won't listen to the message on on the internet. Hi, honey, if you do. (laughs) Number two, the gal I married. Number three, best decision I've ever made. (laughs) It looked good um, when I was writing it down. The the best decision is when I got, about 10 years ago, I used to wear glasses. Greatest decision I ever made was getting LASIK eye surgery. I'm serious. Third greatest decision I ever made. And I walked out of that place, and it was fuzzy, and I said, I can't believe I used to live my whole life not being able to see. When I, my eyes were opened in the natural, I couldn't believe that I had spent, you know, like 25 years of my life, you know, defogging glasses and going to the eye doctor, right, because I broke them again, right? It was the greatest decision I ever made, right? Much like community, true community in your life, Once you experience it, you wonder how you made it so far without it. It's one of those things, unfortunately, that you don't really appreciate or you don't value until you don't have it. Let it not be said of this place. Hebrews 13 
16 says it this way in the NIV. It says, do not forget to do good and to share with others for which such, such sacrifices God is pleased. Listen, do not forget to do good. Listen, I don't think God is talking to a people that just, you know, are extra forgetful. Oh, they must just, you know, have a lot going on so they forget. No, I think what he's talking about is that in the hustle and the bustle of life, it's important that we don't forget the main things that God's called us to master. Right? In the busyness of life, some of the most important things are the first things that we don't allow time for anymore. They get taken to the back burner. Every, every Sunday morning, we have a huddle here at our church, huddle, like a team huddle. And one of my favorite sayings from our team huddle, and that's for all our volunteers that serve, it's roll out the red carpet. Rolling out the red carpet for others is very close to the heart of God. Why? Because it shows that you care. It shows that you're willing to think about the needs of others. This morning, I am grateful for the men that showed up at this church without being called to try to make sure we weren't slipping on ice this morning, okay, to roll out the red carpet. Hebrews 13, 16, in the message, says it this way. It says, make sure you don't take things for granted and go and slack in working for the common good. Share what you have with others, for God takes particular pleasure in these acts of worship. Our theme scripture for this series in Galatians 5, and I want to read it this morning, and it says this. I read it last week. We'll probably read it next week. It says, now since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's each keep in step in perfect sync with God's Spirit. This will happen when we set aside our self-interests, work together to create true community instead of a culture consumed by provocation, pride, and envy. Okay, we got to understand that the writer of this, um, Paul, is writing to the Galatian church, and, and he's writing to a crowd much like I'm talking to this morning, that many of you in this room know Jesus, have had relationships with Jesus, know what it means to walk your life with a personal Savior. Okay, he's, he's talking to Christians. He's tasting to, talking to an audience that has tasted and seen that the Lord is good. How many are married in this room? Raise your hand, right? We got some married couple. Woohoo for marriage. I love marriage. I'll never forget doing premarital counseling like 15 years ago and and, and Pastor Ed Polreich, who was taking us through counseling, said the purpose of marriage is for the two to become one. Okay? The two to become one. Listen, there is a big difference in my life, in my marriage, than being married and being one. <laughs> right? And every married couple has seasons where it's like you know the difference. Listen, just because you're married does not mean that you're Acting as one. Okay? We talk a lot in the church about what does it mean to walk in the Spirit. Okay? All, God's design for us is that we all would walk in the Spirit. 
Okay, what does it mean to walk in the Spirit? The Scripture says, since we have chosen to walk with the Spirit, let's keep in perfect sync with God's Spirit. I want to talk about that just a little bit because there is a big difference in the word walk this morning. If you read Galatians 5, you will see that there's two types of walk. Okay, the first type of walk is, is the normal walk, like one foot in front of the other. It speaks to a walk of life. And how I would describe it is... I would liken it to my experience in, in getting saved and giving my heart to God, where it says you're walking one way, you encounter Jesus, and now all of a sudden your eyes are open. How many of you remember your experience of when you came to Jesus? Right, where you were like, man, my whole perspective is different. Right? I will never forget, just a few weeks ago, our son went to winter camp, and he said, Dad, I feel like I met God. I feel like my whole life is different now. There was a perspective, okay? His walk of life is now different. You understand the first one? Okay, his walk, your, the way you do life is different. The second walk, and this is what this scripture, the word walk um, means, but it doesn't mean just a normal walk. It means this. It means to be in line with, to be in alignment with. Okay, the, the, here's the idea. The idea is the Spirit has given you life. Now let the Spirit be the one to direct your steps. Okay, it's not just I walk in the Spirit. It's I walk in the Spirit and I am in line with what the Spirit of God is saying for my life. Listen, there is an alignment that comes to us in the way we walk with the Spirit by the way we walk with one another. Okay, there is an alignment with walking in the Spirit that will show in how we walk with one another. And that's what we're on a journey for. Amen? Woo! So what Paul is saying, he's saying as you walk with the Spirit, remember, as you stay in a line with what the Spirit of God is doing, it is going to change the way that you walk with others. And then to end my sermon today, he goes into three habits that were used to walking in as humans where he says, do not walk this way. Okay, and he lays it out. It's like, just tell me what you're saying. Okay, he did. He says this. He says, if you want to experience true community, then number one, then let us not be conceited or proud. Okay. I was thinking about this a couple weeks ago as I was just praying and preparing my heart. It tells you how, we'll use the word, um, what word could we use? Special, the human race is. And when I mean special, I mean that in an encouraging way, maybe a little sarcastic uh, tone. But here we've got a people where Paul is reminding them, hey, don't be conceited. Hey, don't be proud. He is reminding a group of people that were once sinners on their way to hell that had no hope, no prayer, no chance. They had nothing to offer God except for their sin and their mess. And they received a free gift of salvation, free eternal life, 
of purpose, a destiny, a hope, and a future. They had nothing good in their own. They received a gift that changed everything. And he's reminding those people, don't be conceited. Oh, how easy we forget where we came from. Let us not, and that people is me, (laughs) that people is us, that people is for today, that we would not become proud or conceited with the free gift of salvation that we've been given. We are a special people, I tell you that. Only only we could, could do that. Take something that we didn't deserve and think we did something. So here's the question this morning. The question is, what does your relationship with Christ make you feel towards others? Okay, think about that. What does your relationship with Christ make you feel towards others? Because here's the deal. If that gratitude leads you to pride or does it lead you to compassion? Okay, think about that. Does my relationship with Jesus lead me to a place, as I look at others, to being conceited, being proud, or does it lead me to a place of compassion? And here's the deal. If you, if you are honest this morning and say, you know what, when I look at others that don't have Jesus, it leads me to a place of being proud. I want to encourage you to maybe do business with Jesus today. So he talks about being conceited and proud. Okay, that's going to hinder true community, pride. The second is, is similar, but it uses a word. It says to not provoke one another or provocation, okay, as we, as we read. Okay, parents, especially dads who may you know, have a little extra energy like myself, you know the scripture that says parents do not provoke your children. Okay, what he is saying in the scripture is this. He's saying is don't let your own walk with the Spirit or what God is doing in you or through you cause you to look at others and treat others as being wrong, second class, or less than. Okay, that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, in your being right, when I say being right, I'm saying being right with Jesus, don't allow your salvation to cause you to look at others as being less than wrong. In other words, don't use that truth to provoke them. It's so funny how, how God works with me, and, and maybe he works with you. Maybe I'm all alone. You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm a special guy. But um, whenever God gives me something, it's amazing. God will, God will say something, and I'll think, oh, it'd be really good for this person to hear that. Right? Something comes, and you hear a word, and you're like, man, that would be really good for my wife to hear. Or you know what, man, if only my 12-year-old would get it. It's amazing how when God speaks, a lot of times I think about who should be hearing that word when I believe God is trying to say, will you get that word inside of you? I gave it to you for a reason, and that reason is to probably get it right in your own life first before you start getting it right in others. Amen? Amen. Woo! Uh, several years ago, 
I, w- I was working about two years ago. I was just, I was meeting with someone. We were talking, and, and in my head, I had this thought. And my thought was, man, you should be a lot further along by now than you are. And about a week later, I felt like God convicted me of that. And I thought, man, that's provoking one another. That's me looking at his life and saying, man, and the reality is maybe he should be further along. But the reality is maybe I should be too. And I was thinking about it and, and we talk in the church a lot about value. Right? Value. That there is value. We sang it this morning about God's love. That there is value on your life. Listen, a great spiritual revelation does not increase or decrease your value as a believer. Okay? It does not have anything to do. Your level of spirituality has nothing to do with your value. You are valuable because you are a son or a daughter of God. Okay, your gifting and your anointing has nothing to do with your value. The Bible, one of my favorite scriptures in in the New Testament, says that we shall know the truth and the truth will make us free. Okay, truth results in freedom. Okay, truth does not result in making you free more valuable. Okay, hear me? Okay, there is a disconnect there that we need to understand. Um, I spend a lot of time in a dugout this time of the year, like two and a half nights a week in Ravensdale, watching my son play lacrosse. And, you know, you have two hours, and you just sit there, and so you talk, because I'm a talkative guy. Um, You talk, and um, I talk to these parents who don't know Jesus, and they always, again, when they find out I'm a pastor, they always ask me lots of weird questions. They're like, just, I mean, it's just crazy what they they don't understand. I can tell stories. But they always say, what is the hardest type of person to, like, work with? I'm like, that's a really good question besides the one that's right in front of you at the moment. You know, it's like, ah, whatever happening, whatever is happening right now. They always say, what is the hardest? And here's, here's, here's my answer to that question. The hardest person to see break free in their life is the person that is the um, God told me person. Because anytime you're in a situation and they throw those three words out, God told me. Conversation over. And I hope that God really told them. I got in an argument, and I'm kind of snarky right now. I'm not going to lie. I'm a little snarky. (laughs) I don't know why. I just am. And I got in an argument a couple weeks ago, and he said, God told me. And I said, yeah? Well, God told me. Someone's wrong. And guess what? I know I'm right. (laughs) Right? But I don't ever want to be the God told me person. The one that can't have. Listen, if God told me, I want to be that person. But I don't want to throw it out there as a a, uh, deflector that hinders relationships one to another. You hear what I'm saying? 
Listen, in my relationship, when he's talking in Galatians about not provoking one another, listen, in our relationships with each other, be open to being wrong and be open to being enlightened by maybe how someone else sees the scripture. Okay, be open. Be firm in what you believe, but make sure that it's the truth. Don't use your truth to provoke. Listen, that's why we need one another because there are so many times that there is an aspect of scripture that I don't see with my own two eyes and that God uses someone else to bring that truth to me. Amen? Amen. God's truth in our life should lead people to a place of freedom. Okay? God's truth should not lead people into a place of confusion. God's truth should not lead people into a place of fighting. God's truth, because the truth results in freedom. Listen, I think, I think in my own life of times where truth hasn't resulted in freedom, where truth has resulted in fighting, and the reality is, it wasn't the truth that was wrong. It was the spirit behind the truth that was wrong. That's why we need one another. That's why we need to be in alignment with the spirit of God. Because the right truth with the wrong spirit can do a lot of damage. So don't provoke one another is what, what Paul says the third thing he addresses here is envy. I find it interesting that the first two have to do with pride and the, the last one has to do with pride in what someone else has. Pride in so, what someone else has accomplished. This week, as I was, I was just preparing and I'm thinking, God, how... I'm not a jealous person. How can I bring this truth out? And I've heard a lot of reasons of why people don't stay in relationship with others, right? And a lot of times it's because they feel inferior. A lot of times it's because they look at where someone's at or what someone has or what someone's achieved or accomplished and they say, man, I'm so much further below your level, I can't even... I can't even relate to you. And I thought about this. Don't let your weakness keep you from seeking out the wisdom in someone else. Don't let your weakness, don't let your sin, don't let your shortcoming to be the thing that keeps you from receiving wisdom from someone that's been there and done that. Amen? Don't let your weakness be the reason that you don't serve God with the gifts he's given you. Don't let your weakness be the reason where you can't give to someone else that needs to receive. Don't let your weakness be the reason why you don't join in true community that God has for you. You know, if you read all of Galatians 5, which I'm sure we will at some point, worship team, would you come up? We're going to sing that. That song, 
won't stop now, I believe. And it says, I know breakthrough is coming. And, and as, we, as we get to close this morning, you know, can you believe God for breakthrough relationally? Can you believe God for breakthrough in areas where maybe you viewed people wrongly and God wants to write those things? You know, but in Galatians 5, and again, we'll, we'll probably read it at some point. This is the same uh, chapter that talks about the fruits of the Spirit. Right, there's a lot in this chapter. But the tune of this chapter in Galatians I take it as this. It says, hey, the problems, it's very easy to look at the problems and say they're outside of me, but Galatians pretty much says the problems that exist before you look out, look in, right? Before you look out, look at your own life. I believe it was, um, I believe it was Charles Spurgeon that said this, talking about Galatians 5 he said Lord deliver me from the evil man myself so I can see a new world a new life and new opportunities and that's my prayer today as we as a church start this new community this true community would you stand up with me because I think before we're going to experience true community, there might be some dealing with pride, envy, provoking one another. You know, I don't know what, what it is for you. Maybe there's just been a fear of opening up your life because of your own weakness. Can we allow God to just shine on those things today? Amen? Amen. Can we sing that? Come on, let's, let's sing this song and then we're